This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. This is Denny. I'm here with Steve, Callie, Tex, and Luke. How's it going, guys? What's going on? Hello. Howdy. What's up, guys? All right. Hey, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the show, I was browsing over iTunes just to check to see some of the comments that maybe Power Athlete Radio um, has. And there's two. There's two comments, two reviews, and they're kind of outdated. So I'm going to throw it out there and ask the nation, get on iTunes. If you could give us some reviews, give us a five-star rating, um, let us know how we're doing, and let those who haven't heard the show yet, who might be browsing for strength and conditioning podcasts on iTunes, give them a heads up to what we're all about. Only if it's a good review. Otherwise, yeah. we don't Yeah, the two reviews that are out there said that our audio <laughs> sucks and that we tend to talk over one another. That's impossible. That's no. I know. I found that hard to believe, too. But let's put something else out there like, man, the show rocks or great info. I love the guests. Yeah. So, Nation, five-star rating. Gratuitous self reviews. to attractiveness. Yeah, and if there's, you know, any, if there's anything less than five stars, Denny, I'm, we're going to send Tex, the, our newest nomad who has no home. He's going to just come backpacking and find you. And, uh, you know, throw a barbell through your head <laughs> until you get it. This is what the man does, and this is what he does best. He finds you, and he beats you with barbells. Beats the, next review, the next review is just going to say empty threats, too many empty threats. <laughs> <laughs> until they're not empty anymore. <laughs> All right, so Luke, man, Tex, how was Ireland? Uh, it was great. The travel was rough. It was great. I had one of the most interesting travel companion neighbors on my ride home. From uh, We connected in New York and then flew across country, and this guy was something else. But any in terms of the seminar, uh, it was great. We got some insight to uh, Ireland's top national sporting uh, or sports, which uh, they have Gaelic football over there, and then they also have a sport called hurling. And uh, they refer to it as the quickest or the fastest sport on grass, right, Tex? Yep. And they basically take these giant wooden spoons that are almost like tomahawks, and they beat the shit out of each other with it. And uh, they run down the field, and it's like a mixture of lacrosse and field hockey. Field hockey. And prison. And prison rules uh, tag. Um, and, I mean, these guys were just telling us about some of the demands of the sport, and basically uh, – you know, these guys don't wear pads. They just started wearing helmets with face protection like, two years the last ago. two years. And uh, the, the way that this sport works is they basically hurl this lacrosse ball-sized, tightly <laughs> woven leather baseball across, like, a soccer field. And there's 30 guys on the field at a time. And, uh, I mean, it's all kind of run-and-shoot type of type of. I thought you said it was 30 on 30. Is it 30 on 30? It's one or the other. That, that's a lot of people. It's organized chaos. But uh, I'm going to get some hur some hurling highlights on the um, and on our show notes. But there's no penalties. Yeah, there's no penalties. It's it's pretty gnarly. Like they they swing these these tomahawks at each other's like hips and legs and stuff, and they'll break it on somebody's leg, and someone will break their leg, and then they just keep playing, and they like, drag the guy off the field. It sounds like Braveheart combined with Gangs of New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like pond hockey. And, uh, you know, the, the but we got some insight to that. And then just kind of the social the social aspect of their professional sports out there, they basically, professional athletes do not get paid to compete. And that's at the highest level within Ireland. All the income goes to basically maintenance of the field and facility. And the facilities are these, you know, four-star facilities where these guys play in a given county, and, uh, you know, basically it all goes to maintaining that and drawing the crowd. And, and alcohol. And, uh, yeah, free alcohol for everyone. <laughs> so they have full-time jobs, so practice, games, it's all travels dependent on them. Mm -hmm. So they work 10 hours a day and then go to practice. 
Yeah, so it's a, a little bit – it's, like, just a little bit different than, you know, professional football in the sense that these guys aren't getting paid millions of dollars. <laughs> just a game. little. <laughs> and you have to play for the county that you were born in. So if you if you travel or move just to play the sport, so if you're third string <clears throat> in Galway and you move to Dublin to play, you'll get just shunned. Yeah, yeah you have to do it for the Shire. <laughs> but uh, so after – Well, brilliant – <laughs> I did hear, did hear a lot of brilliance while we were there. Nice. The, the nice. People, so obviously the CrossFit football, like the program, probably intrigued these guys, right? Uh, yeah, you know, there was, there was probably a handful. Of, so we had 30 guys there, and probably five of the guys had been following it for over six months. So just based off of that testimonial and how it's helped them with either rugby or Gaelic, uh, Gaelic football or even soccer – I mean, everybody was convinced, and then once we kind of tied it all together at, with our coach's responsibility and forcefully demo, you know, everyone kind of got the light. But what a few people had a hard time wrapping their heads around is, um, you in terms of one of our taglines in this whole seminar is, you know, how how good a shape do, does your athlete really need to be in? And we always respond with, in good enough shape to survive the training. So the training should be resemblant and preparatory for the sport. So as long as you understand the demands of the sport and the energy systems you have to tap into, uh, and assuming these athletes have some sort of training camp, they're going to get their volume training in that training camp. And you know, it's it's understanding when to apply volume and how too much volume may detract from the overall goal of speed, power, and strength. So we had to really revisit that concept a couple times, but they ended up they ended up understanding once we got into the physiology of the whole thing. But um, let's see what else text. I mean, the people there were great. Oh, yeah. Uh, we went on a little Guinness tour, saw where it's all made. Mm -hmm. Turns out Guinness is 100% paleo. Allegedly. Nice. And because, uh, because the water comes from the mountains. Ah. Uh, 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 so, it's God's water. Luke and I are now certified Guinness pourers. One of us better than the other, but no, still both pretty certified. Evil. How hard is it to get that certification? It was pretty difficult. You had to wait in line for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. and drink three beers first. Wasn't seven hundred dollars? I'll probably. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the second easiest cert I've ever got. <laughs> well done. Oh, well wow. done, you. Oh, Playtech, you wouldn't get it. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, so I got. I got to tell yeah. a story. Okay, so I got to tell a story about my flight home. First off, we were on American Airlines Airbus, like one of the new Airbuses, which the new seating arrangement is amazing. Like flying is hard uh, for, for the larger than average individual like Callie or myself. <laughs> so, uh, but the seats are spread out. Business class and first class have these amazing setups. And even in coach, I was a middle seat, which I dread, but it was uh, pretty spacious. Both Tex and I were in the middle. It, it, was, it really wasn't that bad. No. Except... If you were sitting next to a businessman traveling from India, going to New York, who like was the most um, intrusive individual yeah. I've ever I've ever sat next Overly to. Overly comfortable. Yeah, like he thought we were pals, like uh, to the point like, trying to pull the armrest up and snuggle with me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the, this guy, I had my tray table down. I got a coffee and a water, and I'm watching um, to jang or jangle unchained on my little. TV on the back of the headrest, and this dude is just like leaning into me, like kind of leaning to towards the center seat and watching what I'm watching, even though he has his own freaking TV right there, and uh, he just kind of like looks at me, and I could feel, just feel him breathing on me and like looking at me in my periphery, and he's eating this apple, and when he gets done with the fucking apple core, he just puts it on my tray table, then leans towards the window and goes, and goes to sleep. And, like, in the middle of sleep, like, his head's against the window and he's looking out. He's fucking has his finger up his nose. And he's, he's like, pick, he picks his nose and then casually and instinctively externally rotates his hand <laughs> and crumples the booger onto my fucking lap. Oh. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding That is awesome. <laughs> so that happens, like, two or three more times. And then I'm on to uh, Donnie Brasco because it's like a seven-hour flight from New York with 100-mile-an-hour headwinds. So I'm watching Donnie Brasco, uh, and now he leans back towards the center again, and he's, like, looking at me and, like, breathing on me. And I could hear him breathing through his nose through my noise-canceling headphones. And he just casually, like, reaches his 
outside arm across his body and grabs my bicep and pinches it like three times. And he looks at me, nods his head and smiles. I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you lift weights? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yes. And just turn my head and try to be cool. And uh, like it... Dude, you any were of... molested on an airplane. Yeah, why didn't you fucking say something? Get up, punch him in his face. Because yeah. I wanted to see how far it was going to go. You know? I wanted <laughs> to really push the limits of this weird situation. And uh... Was the plane ride so long we that you... already wiped a booger on you. I know. I would have been <laughs> done with the booger. In all fairness, he didn't wipe it on me. He crumpled it and dropped it on me. <laughs> doesn't matter. You had somebody else's dried mucus membrane on your person. <laughs> Time for a fucking chest... Punch right to the face. Uh, you might as well but... just took a dump on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit, Daddy. Well, but... it's interesting that you say that because that is uh, that's actually. What so happened. then what happened? <laughs> but it was it was by far the most interesting and like intrusive, disgusting, disgusting situation. But I guess uh, I don't know. I'm pretty patient with that with basically anything. I mean, but uh, I guess I could have put up a big fuss about it. But at the end of the day, dude, I was so tired. Uh, it was just like, what's this going to get me? There's literally no free sight, uh, free seat on the flight, and I'm going to have to like complain and be a huge prick when uh, you know I just kind of gave a little booger brush and oh, uh, my God. just got back into Donnie Brasco and I was good. You should know that Luke is probably like the most patient person when he travels. Like even everything could go wrong, and he could be sitting next to someone like that, and he'll just be like, all right, he'll just kind of roll with the punches. Meanwhile, if somebody even looks at me funny, I like. <laughs> I like do one of those lunge forward, like I'm, I'm like, what are you looking at? Like no. double middies, those double middies. Like, what are you looking at? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mean, but I, I, I think I get a little crankier, like on the way home. I'm like, people, people ask us like if we CrossFit, cause we're in CrossFit football shirts, and I'm like, never heard of it. And I'm like, just, <laughs> I just walk straight through TSA. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I try, I try to be a little more patient. Model after Luke. Excellent. Speaking of asking Uh, questions, uh, Mason, Mason Mills, he asked a question on Facebook regarding the Power Athlete Premium site that we've kind of talked about a little bit now. Um, He was asking if maybe we could talk about the fees. Uh, Would the CrossFit Football Wad still be available? Would, would like the premium content kind of include more of the dynamic warm-ups that you see on Power Athlete uh, HQ videos? Um, can we talk a yes. little bit about that? Yeah, or let's can talk we about not it. let the cat out of the bag yet? No, let, let's talk about some of the stuff that's just definitely in the hopper. And uh, in terms of membership fees, we're, we're in the process of really kind of logging workload and seeing what this is going to be about. And, uh, you know, going into, uh, I mean, this is something that Steve and Denny, you guys are going to be a part of, but we got to pilot it for a week and see, really see what the deal is. But some of the, I'd say some of the most valuable information is going to be in really unparalleled. I'm, I've, I've been looking all over for anything like this, but uh, uh, we are going to have basically a play-by-play breakdown of every single warm-up that we talk about at the seminar. And one thing we hear every seminar that we go to based off of feedback is it's too much information. And it is too much information to learn on a weekend. And I mean, I know for me, just to learn how to, we have different ranks working up your way to kind of running a seminar. And we have our intern, uh, our assistant, our coach, and then flow master, which is kind of the highest you get to run your own cert. And it takes, I mean, it takes people an internship just to demo these things, maybe five or six t- tries till you get there and you can do every warm up. Um, but, uh, Imagine just sitting there for a weekend and not even being able to anticipate what the heck's going on. So uh, all that stuff is going to be play-by-play. And the way that's going to go down is it's going to have, uh, you know, I also understand there's there's different types of learners. So we're going to have basically everything wrapped up into a media and white paper package. Each warm-up is going to be available uh, with a video walkthrough. I mean, think of like a kind of coach's eye, slow motion, freeze frame, points of focus, animated focus points, with narration over time, timed over with that, uh, with the same exact thing in a white paper telling you exactly how to cue someone through this movement pattern. And really we talk about it at the seminar, like perfection is essential through these things because that's what's going to start to rebuild posture position and it's going to carry directly over to sport. And then if somebody has an inability to do something or keeps consistently faulting, there's going to be white paper components on that 
with a link to what the fault is and what the lift is and how you're going to develop the lift. So let's just say, for example, um, on a dead bug. So we've done a, a, a demo for the dead bug. If we see that an athlete, uh, first and foremost, cannot get 90 degree hip flexion with their spine driven down across their uh, their spine driven down across the ground, uh, chin tucked, shoulders retracted and depressed, and they just can't get 90 degree hip flexion with completely extended knees and dorsiflexed feet, then we know that there's something going on in that posterior, and they may have trouble uh, setting up on a deadlift, depending on to what the degree is. They may have trouble uh, with sitting down into a squat and keeping a rigid trunk. If we see that they cannot get any dorsiflexion or they have uneven dorsiflexion in one of their feet, we know that that's a potent, that is a significant biomarker for injury on bounding, high rep bounding box jumps, high rep bounding double unders, uh, resisted sprints. Those people need to sort out whatever that limitation is through that ankle. And, uh, you know, there's going to be additional dialogue with how to diagnose that. If the person consistently is, you know, in order to get dorsiflexion is going into inversion of the ankle and they're turning their feet in so the soles of their feet are kind of facing one another. There's another set of diagnostics and, and where, where you're going to see that shine through in their training that we're going to list for each one of these faults. And really it's one of the most comprehensive exercises that I've had to go through is go through each one of these progressions, connect all the dots and create the network. You know, and it's stuff that you just, it's funny, you intuitively as a coach you can diagnose it, but when you sit down and try to put it on paper, it's... Well, it's it's really like the how to the what, you know? Um, it's it's just that second layer of information. Yeah, so these videos are going to come in basically 7 to 10 minute takes per progression. Uh, you know, there's going to be about 52 of them once I get them all rolling. And then we're going to go into advanced techniques because they're, the reality is there are people at our gym that can just smash every progression of all of our warm-up catalog, and we do some advanced techniques with them. But at the end of the day... You know, these it is a progression. Athletes, we're going to show, teach you what does the athlete need to. Um, What's I guess, the limiting accomplish. factor? Yeah, like if there's limiting factors, how do you address it? Then once you address those limiting factors and they quote unquote graduate to the next progression, then that's going to you know that'll be in the feed and it's going to be this whole series of wormholes, I guess is what we've yeah. been calling it recently. But it's but ultimately it's going to network. Like you put an athlete. It goes to the diagnostic. It tells you how to address it. Then once they prove competency, it takes it to the next level to challenge the position even more so. And ultimately, all we, you know, we say at the seminar, we said on the podcast, the only way we know how to strengthen posture and position is by overloading it, either through load, uh, by changing orientation or movement through space, or increasing heart rate, or adding some sort of stress. So there is a, we have these progressions all built out and it's just kind of putting that pencil to paper, getting it on film, getting the correct narrative and providing appropriate guidance. And like the last thing I want to do too is film some, well, I guess I'm not, I hope I don't offend anyone that may be doing this, but film some dog shit video in my garage with like some choppy narrative. Like this is, this is going to be professional grade production and uh, it's going to be the real deal. You just offended everyone. That's yeah. everyone. It's all these pathetic people with their iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's just one component. Now, on top of that, we're going to have programming. The programming is going to be utilizing, guess what, all of the movement scripts that we're going to be outlining. Uh, and not only are we going to do the warm-up series, we're going to be cataloging all of the movements used in the training. So if you see star shrubs come up, you're going to see exactly what we're looking for, exactly how to approach it, how to scale it, common faults. If there's a common fault and somebody has a limiting factor, guess what it's going to link to? The warm-up warm tool we use to strengthen that fault. So, uh, and all of this is just going to be one huge network and it's, it's going to take some time to build. And once we get there, you know, it's probably going to be a continually growing, uh, organism, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, I have a bad habit of holding everything off until it's hundred percent complete, but, uh, it's going to be a working project and, you know, there might be some growing pains, but that's going to be part of it. You know, and the people in earlier are really going to benefit the most, um, because once it becomes, the only thing like this in the industry, it's going to be priced accordingly, if that makes sense. Uh, then on top of that, we're also going to have accessibility in terms of uh, the premium members are going to have basically the direct line to Power Athlete staff. And uh, we're going to have these coaches roundtables just like this. And we're going to have John. We're going to have people that John has worked with. We're going to have, uh, you know, 
some of John, the professional athletes, the other coaches in the industry, we're going to sit down to a limited audience that it'll be invite only to our premium members, and it's going to be, let's say, capacity of 20 people. And the first 20 people to sign up get this table at the or seat at the table, and it's going to be a roundtable discussion about a specific training topic, whether it's improving hip mobility, uh, addressing uh, imbalances through the lower extremities, improving overhead strength. Uh, all these things that are can be very individualized and uh, you know user specific. It allows us to get our followers um, premier access to us on the horn for 90 minutes to two hours. You know, and that's the that's the coaches roundtable concept. And uh, a lot of the systems that we're going to be utilizing out of the gate are going to be essentially through Google. You know, it's going to be kind of proof of concept to make sure that it works. And then uh, if it, you know, scale becomes an issue and we need to upgrade to some other systems, that's going to happen accordingly. But right now, you know, you're going to have to have some, a Google account, which is free, to, to get in on the ground floor. And then uh, let's see, what else? We talked about having, <clears throat> well, it, it's in the plan to have some narrative to go along with our workouts as well. So if, for instance, you're following across a football site as you see it, uh, and then you're your own sport or the application of that workout is something specific or maybe it's CrossFit, um, having a little bit of a dialogue about how maybe you would alter the workout or change it or what we're looking for in terms of um, movements or, you know, a time capacity uh, for whatever it is that you're training for, which yeah. I think is pretty cool because we get questions like that all the time. Well, a perfect example is Monday, right, <clears throat> about inverted push-ups and then Tuesday yep. about – our muscle clean to press uh, complex. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, unfortunately to write a detailed narrative for every workout across the football is beyond economy of scale for a free program. And like the goal of the workout. Yeah, so uh, you know, in application is left up to interpretation on CrossFit football and every online program out there, right? Uh, you know, people leave it up to themselves. Let's say if you have some sort of triplet of slam ball, push press, pull-ups which movement are they going to attack? And what is the implication of, let's say, going balls to ball on that rotation if you go slam ball first? Well, obviously your push push press may suffer, and then by the time you get to pull-ups, you're going to maybe partition them if they're high rep. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm speaking in a generality here, but when you look at that, application is everything. And when John programs, he has a very specific way on how he would imagine that these things will be executed. But, uh, you know, and that's for... A specific athlete that he has in mind that he's programming for but let's say you're not that athlete uh, so we're going to give those iterations of different ways to attack a workout in um, you know the vision state is an audio cast that is delivered directly to your phone on a daily basis uh, through an app so all of this infrastructure and all this technology is has been itemized and it's just a matter of tackling these piece by piece because uh, really between the team at Power Athlete HQ, I'm the only one that knows how to turn on a computer. Mm -hmm. So Callie will get home after she coaches at like 9.30 and she calls me and she's like, which one's the power button again? So uh, so it is unfortunately technologically, like it requires a certain amount of technological aptitude. I'm just fucking around. These guys are going to be providing tons of content. But in terms of programming it, laying it out, and building that accessibility, um, you know, it's just it's going to take some time. And probably one of the most exciting things, what people have been asking for forever, uh, and it's going to be available to everybody at a really nominal fee is access to a forums where uh, moderation will be by all the coaches. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there will be specific levels of access. Uh, you know, there's going to be like the kind of public access. Then, based on membership level. Yeah, based on membership level, there'll be specific levels of access. And, uh, you know, posts will be addressed and moderated accordingly. You know, uh, in terms of how it affects CrossFit football, um, it really just enriches it. CrossFit football will probably stay as it is. There are some certain things we're thinking about putting together CrossFit football membership, but it wouldn't be paid. It would be simply uh, to get a feel for who our followers are, how many times people are visiting the site, uh, who's commenting the most, and, uh, you know, just... Maybe tracking progress. Yeah, it, you know, and uh, there's just a little bit of enrichment to give us an idea of who our followers are, where they are, and, you know, just a means like that. But uh, all that would do is, you know, if you're not a member, we might disable commenting or something, or we might uh, 
limit the window of historical workouts that you can view and uh, you know just some incentive to get some real information you know not that I mean I don't think we we don't really spam anyone we're not it's not our intent we just want to see where the people are at so for example for seminars we can plan accordingly and come to where we have the most hits and the most interaction on the site that type of thing good good stuff wow, good sounds stuff. awesome I mean, you, right. any any questions on that stuff, you guys? I mean, you guys are, are are users, we're producers. You know what? I mean, I'm really looking forward to when the premium stuff gets launched. I mean, I'm on board. And uh, I, you know, just from like the discussions we've had on the show and a little bit of discussions off air, I kind of get a good idea where you guys are going, and I really can't wait for it to, you know, for it to start happening. I think a lot of people can't wait for uh, that to come out. It's like the next level, you know? Yeah, I think it offers like a, a unique online experience that, like you said, Luke, is not out there right now where you've got like, you know, thousands of people following CrossFit football that now are going to maybe get access to these explanations. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I think a lot of people are excited about it. Um, it'll probably get people uh, more focused on the workouts, you know, instead of on their what am I supposed to do here? Asking these questions that end up being uh, sort of inane, in a sense, over time. Yeah, to quote uh, a good friend of mine who probably is quoting somebody else because he's a fucking thief, anyways. <laughs> but uh, he's in right now. He's in Brazil building bamboo huts on some sort of, sort of fucking like <laughs> hippie farm. But uh, information without appropriate application is really useless. And right now we have all sorts of information we're putting out there. And we just see YouTube videos, or we we get uh, testimonial through comments, or even at the seminars we ask people how long, like, oh, I've been following it for a year, and then we watch them move, and we're just like, oh god, you know, they have the correct information, we're providing the correct information, but what we are lacking on, or where the gap is, is in proper application, and you know, the best way to absolutely do that is to get a coach who gets it, you know, and uh, there's only a handful of us. That, that we're aware of, you know, a dozen or so that really know how to apply the cross football method in a, you know, in a environment that's dynamic where people are changing, limiting factors come and go and injuries. And uh, uh, so what we're going to try and do is really empower the coaches or empower the athletes with correct application guidelines. So that's going to be for everything. I know uh, we're going to continue to do blog posts and we're going to get in real depth with them. Uh, if you kind of read Callie's new one or those past football articles, it's just uh, what's wrong here? And we just give you little hints towards it, but now we're going to go actual application. This is the problem. This is what you need to do to fix it. And videos, uh, research based off that, so we're just going to go into some real wormhole depth and not hold back on anything we're going to publish. Nice. Yeah, and unfortunately, fucking this little vacation that is working for CrossFit football turns into a real job now. We're going to have to sit down and fucking write. We have cubicles. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the cubicle <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah, it's great. All right, well, going with Callie's uh, grip, <clears throat> grip training article, um, yeah. we have a guest waiting to join the show, correct? Uh, we, I thought we did, uh, I'm not sure if possibly he's having some trouble syncing up with us. We might have to put that on the back burner to next week. Um, I know he tried to hop on, but I, he's a busy man. Jed Johnson is his name and he's from Diesel Crew. He's a founder of Diesel Crew. So if you guys uh, visit dieselcrew.com, you can check him out. Um, he's also got his own blog on grip training. He's a world-class grip, uh, grip athlete and um, holds a couple world records as far as I know and uh, competes regularly. Definitely was has a history of strongman competition as well. But he's pretty much like the go-to guy. I mean, he's a super strong individual and just within this niche sport, he's just, he for quite a while dominated. So um, I'm, I was excited to have the chance to work with him on the article. And it was just uh, kind of like Tex was alluding to, it was kind of just like a rough, I wanted to make it general because I know that he has his own premium content too, 
um, and this is his this is his livelihood and his business and he's got so much good stuff out there that uh, I wanted to spark the interest in some people and get his uh, get his opinions out there and get his his thoughts on the sport out there and training grip work so I I think accomplished that in the article that was just posted and then uh, next week I'm gonna do a little part two um, it's already in the works just with um worked with my buddy Bobby Goodfellow, who was a protege of Jed Johnson's, and uh, Bobby helped put together just a, a kind of a general uh, implementation guideline and uh, gets into the nitty-gritty of kind of all of the uh, components of grip strength. Um, and there are, you know, it's, it's a lot more complicated than people think. So we just try to make it palatable for the population out there that, you know, is following power athlete. Um, without giving too much away from these guys, uh, these guys' specialty. All right. So hopefully, well, hopefully next week you we can chat with him. Yeah, and I, I'm, I just traded some emails with him. Maybe he'll jump on here. But uh, we have a couple questions or a couple of comments through uh, through our, our little live Q and A. Uh, and our buddy Joaquin, who has he's been to three of our seminars, helped intern. Joaquin is the man. Yeah, he and he's. Uh, He's one of our one of our disciples for sure, and he's uh, and he even trained at Balboa for I don't know maybe six months or something. But uh, you know he was asking us about ETA or timeline. Um, what should I say? ETA on what? The membership. Oh. 2014. 2014. No. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Well, the 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 goal is to have some of this stuff up uh, by the time Tex leaves because we have. You know, we have the manpower now, and like yeah. Luke said, so much of this uh, unfortunately falls into just like the, the technological organization of all of it. I mean, we can provide the content. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of that, and, uh, you know, we have so much stuff just ready to push out there, but it, as you guys I'm sure know, I mean, it, the, the technical setup for this stuff and, and, you know, creating these levels of membership uh, really fall into like Luke's <laughs> computer science background, and so we have to lean on him for that. And uh, you know, we can we can only do things so fast. So I, I would uh, say that you know, hopefully by the time Tex hits the road in the beginning of February, we have uh, we have some membership availability. Yeah. Uh, Did I just promise? No, no, because that's what I keep saying too. But that's next fucking Wednesday. Um, is that next Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be before Columbia, though, which is yeah. February one. Yeah. This is just a couple days after that. So it's, Luke and I go to Columbia, and if, if if the website doesn't work out, I'm just staying in Columbia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cali only. Uh, but uh, no, it'll be about a, to be honest with you, we're probably going to launch in about a week. But in terms of content, content will be seeded week after week after week. Uh, and we're just going to keep posting it as we build it, essentially. So, um, yeah. And but we'll start. Pro- well, next week is going to be is going to be the programming. I love that Joaquin asked too, because he would drive an hour and a half to two hours from where he actually lives to come to Balboa, probably like four times a week for a while. Yeah. And uh, like, even though he'd been to three seminars and he drove so far, and he listened to us chat about probably like the most I don't know, just random strength conditioning subjects. He's still, you know, he's just, just show up. Just he wants, he has a thirst for knowledge. I love it. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, get, be prepared to listen for uh, when we're gonna get Jed on the show. Then we'll put it out there in the comment section across for football. Uh, you guys want to talk about the open strategies? Kind of hinted it out there to the listeners that we were going to talk about that. I'm sure that's why we got 11. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we got 11 on the show just waiting to get into it. 13 now. 13. Well, we well we were having some pre-show discussion, and I believe St- Steve has a prediction on what is this 14.1, aka 14.1. Fun. Uh, Steve wants it to be a one RM deadlift. Fuck yeah. Tex doesn't think that's going to happen. Tex doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> All right, so when does it start? It starts... Uh, Three weeks? Four weeks? Uh, February 27th. 27 or 8 or something, that Thursday of that week there. Yeah. Couple, yeah. Couple, couple weeks away. So you have plenty of time mm-hmm. to ramp up your training and become a baller and go to regionals. Uh, Only takes if, if, you, if you live in Africa. Here's yes. what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. In the time 
that you have remaining. Hopefully you've already started this, but I think if you're a CrossFit footballer, you need to uh, ramp up your, your overhead work, your overhead pressing, overhead pulling. Uh, Kelly, and... what have you been doing for the training for the Open? I have been following a site myself. It's a, I'll keep it under wraps, but my team and myself are following a uh, we're following our own kind of CrossFit site. Uh, we think it's going to help prepare us for the competition that we have uh, towards the end of February. Um, but really, it's just uh, it's just high volume, like lots of pressing. Um, I would say it's still pretty like heavy work, but. Uh, mm-hmm in more of like an interval training type, type heavy of dynamic. Yeah. Heavy dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's interesting, you know, and uh, I sat down and I opted out of that training protocol because I, I know I can't handle that volume. I know I can't handle it. Yeah, but John it. also supplied you with like yeah. your own fancy pants <laughs> yeah, program. So, so basically and going into this thing, but let's talk general strategy. Sure. Right? So what do you know you're going to have to do? Uh, Double unders, box jumps, snatch. You can eliminate things that can't be done in a garage, and to me, that's super easy. So, like, I don't need to know how to run, which is awesome. That makes my day. (laughs) Yeah. So no, no urge to be running, right? Uh, So you're gonna you need to start. The urge could show up. I doubt it. Calories, but I doubt it. It probably won't show up. Not in a garage setting. So um, you're gonna have to start progressing your unbroken burpees. Like and that's that's a relatively easy thing to do. Uh, like post- pull-ups, box jumps, yes. um, just shoulder to overhead. Uh, you're not gonna probably see any kettlebell swings because they're gonna be hard to judge. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think mm-hmm. of from a judging standpoint what's gonna be very thrusters clear. You're gonna see you're gonna see a frame. Oh, yeah. You're gonna see some sort of frame. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it'll be heavy. But why not? Why not go a little over scale? And my biggest thing, uh, you know, what John basically assessed on my problem is I'm almost too strong. <laughs> I'm too strong. No, my the, my low rep tr- uh, training has a fucking basically completely thrashed any sort of high any sort of volume work I can handle. So like squat volume, I'm fucked. Uh, so that's what I've been working on. I've been doing a lot of aerodyne, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of lactic threshold training, and you're going to see a little bit of this in one of Texas articles. Um, just premium kind of, content. What's that? Premium yeah, content. Yeah, but uh, it'll be one of the premium posts uh, on how to how to accomplish this. And uh, but if you are if you're going to follow CrossFit football and do this, um, I mean, we've never really claimed CrossFit football is the premier games training. Now, it is an appropriate training method if you're pro- if you have muscular endurance and you have a a big motor. And you're not strong, so you those people just need to get strong. People who cannot um, muscle snatch 100 kilos, uh, or no, I'm sorry, muscle clean like 100 kilos, need to get strong. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's something that our program, if you follow it long enough, you get to that strength level. But then once you go beyond that point, you're gonna fucking go back the other way. You're gonna have to build up muscular endurance and build up VO2 max or lactic threshold training, whatever the fucking buzzwords are. At the end of the day, you're going to have to be able to do reps while you're tired. Yeah, I think I think such a huge part of it is just like suffering. I mean, mm-hmm. doing things unbroken, doing if if uh, 12, I don't know, toes to bar is like your normal go-to. You got to get used to doing 15. Um, so it's I think that's a huge part of just like attacking the open. And then the fucking crazy thing is, you know, imagine you make it past the open, you go to regionals. Suddenly, it's a completely different sport, yes. you know. And then you're like, all right, I need to be, I need to be stronger. There needs to be a lot more skill movement, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't give away too much about the regionals. We're gonna talk about that in the next episode. Oh, okay. Denny, thanks. Um, no, we're just so talking guess, open. Just talking open. Yeah, for the open, you guys, I would start trying to linear progress post workout. What do you think? Like, uh, <laughs> max rep, three set max rep burpees. Without stopping, three set max rep wall balls. Wall balls. Um, three set max rep thrusters. Not all in one day, people. Yeah. So just divide it up pushes and pulls with the CrossFit football program. And stuff on hanging from a bar. Pull ups, chest to bar pull ups. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like we had a question that was submitted to us from. Hold on, where was the guy? Clint, Clint. Clint Harris. Thank you, Clint Harris. And one of them is about the strength days 
Um, well, you know, he asked a couple of questions, but one is, if there was a strength day to cut to add another day of CrossFit, which day would, would be better to pull? Like the Tuesdays, he's saying, so we can still squat and get a rest day afterwards. So if he's going to try and follow CrossFit football and just kind of add a little bit more volume, would, is there a day that you would suggest him not, you know, to, that he could skip the strength portion? It's hard because there's a, you know, at the end of the day. I would honestly, leading up to the open, I would probably take one of the squat days and I would turn it into like. Volume front squats. Or like, or yeah. even like. Like um, a high thruster even, or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even yeah. um, full versions of the lifts or something like that for high reps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could see something like 15, uh, you know, cleans with super lightweight, you know. Um, so something yeah. like that where you could work it into like a, a some sort of workout, but uh, yeah, I'd probably take out a, one of the squat days. And one thing, uh, you know, one thing that a lot of people learned last year from that, what was the box jump? What was that box jump one that Lissa just fucking smashed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like high, low weight deadlift, box jump, and then push press, push press right? With the super lightweight. It was like, for women, it was like 75 pounds. So 20 inch bounding box jumps were the same speed as stepping down, right? Yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I mean, and something I'm probably going to go on a rant about online here in the next day or two, but in terms of safety as you approach this stuff, like, remember, people, uh, with competition, with increased volume and work output, there is a, a significant risk, uh, increased risk of injury. Stress. Uh, so uh, any sort of bounding, really temper that, really – just really monitor your volume. Make sure that you're landing with your toes forward and you're not going into that tibial torsion with feet out or something hideous. So step off the box, people. Trust me. Make up your reps on the other stuff. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? For most people, it's just not that much faster. I would yeah. say like 80% of people. I've you know you just you don't see that big of a time. You can train a rhythm. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time. Get a rhythm. Step down before. Mm -hmm. So it was slow. Train a rhythm. Yeah, it's uh -huh. true. You can train a rhythm. And with the rules now being that you have to basically stand on top of the box, it's like another jump to get off. So yes. it almost makes more sense to stand up, step down. You, uh, like Tech said, um, you can really get a good rhythm. And if you step fast, if you're short, one of our athletes is relatively short, you know, which is, bodes well for being national champion weightlifter, but not so much <laughs> stepping on a 24-inch box. Uh, that was challenging. It was like a max rep box step. For height, but um, if you're a reasonable adult human height, stepping <laughs> off. Sorry, Tess. Uh, sorry, Caleb. Uh, but uh, yeah, then then the step off is really good. We've been training the step off at the gym for a long time now, and our guys have. I mean, not only uh, is it safe, but it turns out to be metabolically less expensive. You don't. I don't think people realize that 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 jumping back and forth actually tires you out, or maybe they do, but the step is just uh, so much more, uh, less metabolically expensive. So then you get back on the push pressure. That that workout was stupid, by the way, just on the record. <laughs> but um, uh, you get back on that, that other exercise, whatever it is, and you're so much fresher, you can just push out more reps. At least that's been our experience in our sort of testing and training at the gym. Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about like working in like your breathing um, I know some of the things that we've been doing. Do huh? I don't, I don't breathe during my neck. Don't breathe. I'm, 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 I'm a favorite really. No, but I know some of the uh, things I've been adding into the programming at A3 is like once a week we've been doing breathing ladders, right? And that if anybody out there doesn't know what a breathing ladder is, basically you can take a movement like a kettlebell swing or a power clean. Uh, this morning we did it with burpees. And you do one burpee and then take one breath and then two burpees, two breaths, three burpees, three breaths, so on up to some, you know, this morning it was uh, 15 and we timed, we just put a 10 minute cap on it and it kind of gets you into like that panic breathing mode. And I like to think that the breathing ladder kind of teaches you to utilize that oxygen you're bringing in, you know, a little bit better rather than just, if your approach to a Metcon is to go balls out and breathe when you feel you need to, I kind of think if you can develop a better breathing pattern, 
during these conditioning workouts, you would you wouldn't be as taxed out as fast. Well, I think there's a couple elements to that. Uh, I think that certainly the the breath control has a physiological effect. Sure, maybe like it's delivering oxygen faster to your muscles, but I think also a huge part of that is just like the mental aspect. You're no longer focusing on the suck. The, the suck. You're focusing on, on the goal at hand, which is counting to that number of breaths. And uh, when you make that sort of the, the goal or at least a part of the focus, um, then no longer you're, you're anticipating the next set as much. You're just kind of going through the, mo the motions of counting. So I think that that is part of the merit involved with doing that kind of that ladder, that breathing ladder. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some pretty good sports psychology on that, right? Sort of distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. The, the yeah. other thing, the other thing I would maybe just toss out there, we've been playing around with some of our, our athletes that are good at CrossFit, whatever that means, is um, learning sort of your threshold. You know, so like lots of us can do, you know, 30, 40, 50 pull-ups in a row, but then when you go to do that 51st pull-up, it's like your arms have fallen off. So. Uh, really learning and training yourself to know where your failure point's gonna gonna be and not getting there, so you can get back on and do like reasonable sets instead of dropping the singles and something. Right. Yep. There are certain movements that you don't want to, as I jokingly say, go to the point of no return. You want to go to the edge and back, not to the point of no return. That's my line. That's my line. <laughs> don't talk over me. <laughs> right. So that's, I, that's comment number two. Don't talk over everybody. So stuff like uh, like handstand push-ups, particularly, especially with chicks. Like you'll see a girl like get like you know maybe she can do 20 in a row or something, and then she gets back up and she can only do three. And it's like, did that really make sense to go to that point? You know, you have to kind of you have to. It's it's experimental. It's like you know test retest, but you need to uh, uh, go to the edge and back. Um, and like that's that's kind of what we're experiencing. I think a lot in our own training is just finding where those limitations are, and then, you know, maybe in training, pushing one or two reps beyond that, um, and then kind of reining it in, and competition at least, then you have that knowledge to go off of. Exactly. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about maybe um, doing one of the open workouts, like on a Saturday, and I, if you're I, following the CrossFit football program, just take out what John programs on Saturday. It's usually some kind of conditioning anyway. It's uh, and so do I'd say, an open workout. I'd say it's your call, but uh, everybody, oh, I'm not, I don't like to speak in absolutes, but there's an implied fucking deviation here. But everybody who did at our gym who did the workout twice got a better score on the second time, except for I think poor Freddie Camacho. Did that Fran work out like three times and got the same score each time? That is oh, a tragedy. That's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. And then the best part about that, remember, remember uh, Ben had a counting error? Oh, uh, that was one me. Of our, uh, no, it was no, one that, of our members. Oh, he had two counting, counting errors. Yeah. And he got to the second level of that Fran thing. Oh, yeah. And then we reviewed the film and showed him that he didn't get it. And he did like a whole extra fucking 40 reps. Poor guy. That was the best. Oh. <laughs> I've actually taken two approaches to this. Uh, the first year is every Thursday morning, I would do the open. So I'd be coming off fresh of uh, the Wednesday rest day. I'd do the Thursday, the open workout Thursday morning, and then just do the Thursday strength. And then Friday, Saturday is planned. And that worked out okay. Yeah. Then the next year, I was bigger, fungus, bigger, stronger, faster. And my approach was on a push day, or if there's a push dominant open workout, I'm going to do it then. There's a pull dominant workout. I'm going to do it then. But even though I theoretically did better, I dropped 100 spots or something crazy just in my open finish ranking. But it's because everyone else. That's because everyone else was just exactly. crashing it that year. 100 new so babies were born. Two different approaches, but science. Both felt good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, in the individualized approach. And I guess one thing to take note is you're entering a competitive approach to the application of your training. And what we know about, like, let's say when athletes go into season, you will incur a detraining effect, most likely, with the added volume and added stress of the competitive approach to these things. So I guess what that means is after the open, you may have to dial back your 
like your RMs are probably could potentially drop. Uh, if you're on amateur progression, you your five by threes may get a little jacked up. Like that's all kind of part of the plan, and then it's going to be a rebuilding approach after that. And I think this guy was uh, Denny. You were mentioning him doing it on a Saturday, and I think what you're implying is that he would do that to ramp up for the open. So he would choose a workout from last year to ramp up for, uh, what is this? 14.1, right? That's right, what you're right. implying, right? Um, you know, that kind of goes into with how to attack more volume in the program. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with doing that, but I also don't think that there's a huge like benefit. Obviously you want to do something with more volume like we talked about, but does it have to be a workout from the past year? I don't necessarily think there's a ton of benefit in that unless you gain some sort of mental, uh, like you feel somewhat mentally stronger knowing that you redid one of last year's workouts. But um, I think if you stick to a grinding workout on Saturday, that's going to get you equipped to deal with the suck. Um, So it just seems like that they're similar. Yeah. And if, The movements are going to be similar, so it was just, I guess it's kind of an easy way to kind of maybe get a feel for what you're going to be in for, you know, at 14.1. Is it going to be a bunch of burpees and snatches like last year? You know, I mean, that's kind of just where I was going with that. I think that um, in my mind, and this is like, you know, there's no science for obviously to base this off of, but doing 150 wall balls, on a Saturday, plus the double-unders, plus the muscle-ups. Um, you know, I don't think doing that one Saturday is going to make me better at doing that for the Open. I don't need to do that necessarily to know how much that's going to suck balls. Um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get to the end goal. Um, all I know is that that would probably destroy me for the next, like, two days. I remember our quads from last year. Mine are still hurt. Wow, that was a horrible workout. You know, the other thing that um, doing past workouts I think has a possible detriment to, I've seen a couple of times in our gym already, is people are redoing the workouts, and because it's in the midst of kind of regular, still out-of-season training, they do worse than they did last year. And <laughs> then they have this, yeah, they, they miss by like a, they do exactly the same score, they drop four or five reps. <sighs> And like mentally, right? They've just gone through that suck again, and now exactly. they now psychologically they feel like, what the fuck? I got less fit. I'm not gonna do as well. And I don't. Sometimes I don't think we we talk about that, but that psychological aspect can really play a big role in your performance in lots of sports, but in particular in dealing with the suck, right? Um, so I think that that could be a detriment. I'm not redoing any workouts no. last year because based on I'm that factor a lazy alone. piece of shit. Yeah. No, but but honestly, based on that factor alone, I 100% agree with you. Uh, it's just that's is that, not. Is that a record that she agreed with me? That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I just uh, I can see myself being one of those people really mind fucked over, um, you know, doing worse than I did last year, which is probably impossible because you know I'm only getting stronger and more <laughs> fit. <laughs> see, we've we've had people perform better. When they've re- like we, we've been doing that, doing one of the open workouts probably once a week, um, and the, our athletes who did the open last year, when they've done them now, a, a year later they're stronger and their capacity's better. Denny, you talking about regular three more reps? They've improved their performance from last year. Yeah, are you talking about novice? Like they, a, they were. We are. We're talking okay. about people who are basically. A first year into into yeah. kind of a linear progression. Okay. But yeah. But there, there's they're, no pressure. They're not. Yeah. Uh, collegiate or professional level, you know, yeah, so, in cross so football you, standard terms, you know, at, that, at the strength, they're still getting stronger. So yeah. In that strategy, you have to evaluate the training age of the athlete. I mean, yeah. what would you say a, a crazy twenty-year-olds to forty-year-olds? Just but like diverse group, man. I was getting all excited. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about, about chronological age. I'd say once an athlete's been at the CrossFit deal, or let's or CrossFit two years, style maybe? deal for two, three years, uh, you're, you've established a certain central nervous system efficiency where you're actually exhausting your the total system where uh, it, you have to tinker a little more to balance your volume and intensity so you, you don't affect your 
future training days. Yeah, you know we're, I mean? we're not saying you can't get better. It's just it, it takes a much more specific approach, specific yeah, I attack. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I mean, right. Somebody who's a couple years with CrossFit experience, that might not be the case. You know, they, they probably would do worse, like what you're saying. Maybe, maybe not, but I mean, just tinker with it and, and more it's a psychological edge. Maybe it's a degree of preparation. You go in knowing it's a training day just to prepare yourself for volume. It's not about the end game. I mean, we have a girl on our team that that's what we're doing with her. It's like, I think, you know, just like any athlete, there's plenty of limiting factors we can attack, but the mental side of it for her is something, you know, she, she can lose composure if it doesn't go right. Yeah, Lucas, he's programming workouts where he knows that she's going to fail. And I, I, I think that's like such a smart approach because you have to tackle your athlete's limiting factor. And that is it for her. Yeah, so, which is easy. That's the easiest yeah. type of program. <laughs> <laughs> Just be a dick. Um, so, I mean, do you, I think we kind of beat this one to death pretty well. That's our specialty. Yeah. Anything else you guys can think on this? Denny, Steve? No, I don't no. think so. <laughs> no, we're good, man. I think that's uh, that's some good information, and you know, on the next episode, maybe we can kind of have a discussion about like regionals preparation, you know, because the open, obviously, your goal is to get to the regionals, so you definitely don't want to stop there. For sure. You know, so how would you prepare for that? Do you want to? you know, peak around the time of the open or do you, you know, you're going to try and peak around at the regionals? Well, know, we'll let so you know. It, we'll let you know when Luke finishes up the open and gets that invite. Yeah, I'll probably be an honorary invitation. <laughs> you're going to regionals too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll talk, cool. we'll talk more about it next show. And then uh, we did get a, we got a question here from, uh, let's see, Taylor Smith. Uh, had my first opportunity uh, I had my first opportunity to implement programming on the uh, on a men's baseball team at his university. Any tips on exercises to avoid? Also, <clears throat> should I start all the athletes on amateur progression to begin with to test who will be able to handle collegiate programming? So high volume overhead movements. Avoid. avoid. Barbell overhead movements. Barbell overhead. So avoid. still yeah. don't avoid overhead. Dumbbell. Dumbbells in their head. Kettlebells. Yeah. And talk. Talk to their coach, because pitchers are going to be on a different program. Oh, for sure. Everyone else, put them on amateur. Yeah. And then uh, everyone else goes on amateur. Um, let's see. I'm assuming they're baseball players, so they probably have never lifted weights before or done anything athletic. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, we got to add some rotational stuff in there, mm -hmm. separating shrimp from shoulders, Russian twists. Uh, Tex is going to put together, he just is finding out now, a whole rotational protocol for uh, when the premium site launches. He's been toying with that for the past week. Uh, but separating those hips from shoulders, whether it's from uh, throwing, swinging a bat. Um, also understand if you're going to be implementing runs and sprints, just as we, you know, as instructed at the seminar, understand the distance these guys run. Position specific in terms of outfielders, understand the top distance that they're going to run. Know that they're going to be changing direction. They're going to be running backwards. They're going to be running forwards. Understand when running the bases, they're ambi-turners. They're taking all left turns. Uh, so you have to cater to the demands of the sport. But in terms of things to avoid, barbell overhead lifts. Uh, and so how in shape do you have to be for baseball? Yeah, don't, not, don't over condition them. Yeah, it's power output. Well, you got to be able to scratch your jack. Uh, yeah. Stand out in the field and kind of look at the crowd. Grow a beard. <laughs> so and then uh, so Steve, what I mean, because we had one of your guys come in, uh, come in and train with us last week, right? Last Friday. Yeah, yeah, the business. Is that, uh, yeah, is, that is that what you've been doing? Yeah. Uh, is that yeah, what you've been doing in terms of adjustments with him? Yeah, absolutely. We have been doing a little bit of overhead stuff because he wanted it. Uh, just things like power snatch, but other than that, it's been power output, rotational force, sprints. Um, he's uh, He switches between third and first base, so trying to get that strong rotational force for the throw from third to first if he, stick, if he gets back on third. But uh, he's been on the program for about two and a half months as I've been writing it for him, and he, said, he threw uh, 105 the other day. And he said he's been hitting them out of the park left and right at batting practice. He came down to the college for a uh, – he plays for the Red Sox organization, the minor league. 
and uh, he basically crushed every test that they have. Um, he, he missed out on one of the sprints because uh, it was cold that morning. He slipped, but uh, everything else he basically crushed on the on sort of the power athlete model. So um, that's it basically is avoiding anything that's going to jack his shoulders up. Uh, although he did tell me that John uh, John actually told me that he's out of conditioning um, and basically crushed him on the airdyne while he was out there. <laughs> He, he, uh, so it's funny you say uh, how much shape does a baseball player need to be in. He came back and he basically said that John brought him to near tears in five rounds and then said, oh, you still have five more rounds to do on this power clean airdyne thing. Um, but he's a pretty powerful dude. Um, he's squatting big, deadlifting big, um, and just got a ton of power and force. So I think, yeah, ro the rotational stuff has been a, was, a, was a huge limiting factor in my guy. And so we uh, we worked on some of that, like uh, dynamic med ball throws against the wall, Russian twists, stuff like that. Um, he's so much more solid in everything that he's doing. So he goes back to the field February 2nd. Um, I'll report at the end of the season how he does. Perfect. Yeah, when we say overhead and avoiding stuff, I mean snatches. As long as you're instructing him, I put snatches over cleans. But throw some clean pulls in there and front squats to make up for it. So just yeah. kind of don't put him in a position for anything to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And I've I've been one on one with him, so uh, anything that's been sketched, his shoulders have been tired or whatever. I've been doing lots of uh, accessory work to kind of build up those small muscles. Um, and so, I mean, he snatches maybe once a month, um, if that. And uh, the rest of it has just been power moves, front squats, back squats, etc. Playtech John said that his grip strength was so bad he needed to alternate do switch grip, alternated grip on uh, 60 kilo deadlifts. I know. Well, you know, here's the thing, and I tell them every time we train, like I tell all my athletes, start training the, I call it the clean grip deadlift, but regular grip, whatever you call it. I mean, you shouldn't be switching Bernie. grip, pro, whatever, shut up, Callie, um, <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, they should, I mean, but these kids, they hear deadlift, if they're warming up with the bar, they pick it up switch grip. And I'm like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Well, guys? here's the thing: you need to stop telling them, and you need to start making them. You need to go there, throw down the hammer, stop pussyfooting around it. He yeah. shows his deadlift video in foundations to try to show off. He's one of those coaches. Oh, you do? Do you, Steve? What are you fucking talking about? Do you? <laughs> yeah, no. He told us that you have at uh, that go fuck yourself video. That you have uh, like a film room. And every new athlete that comes in has to go sit and watch an hour of you working out. It's like clockwork orange. You just pin their eyes up. <laughs> it's pretty much that. That's right after they take humidity readings. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you fuckers. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we'll on, uh, on, on that note, we'll have to link up some deadlift videos of you with this podcast. You fuckers. Uh, don't we do that every single time? Yeah. <laughs> hey, every how time. About, hey, how about post a picture of my new tattoo? Yeah. That, that, oh, yeah. Is that a half sleeve or are you going to go full sleeve? That looks pretty badass. Uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to go full because I have like a real professional job. So, um... That's I'm a henna tattoo, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's henna. It's basically <laughs> just flowers and pussies. It's a tree of life. It's a Darwin's tree of life. Oh, that's cool, actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was saying that. <laughs> uh, we had a request to do a little blog blog cap, blog post recap. I'll put it in the show notes on our recommendations on kind of skinning your training for the next few weeks in preparation for the Open. Um, and then Taylor's asking one more question. He's like, so you're telling me no barbell pressing in the amateur progression. <clears throat> and uh, I guess we're saying ideally, yes, if that is correct. That is correct. No barbell pressing, but use dumbbells. Get dumb. You should have some dumbbells, uh, and you can run the progression with some dumbbells or kettlebells even, and that's how you'd approach it. Neutral. Yeah, just neutral grip. Neutral grip. And then you got to teach them how to bench press properly. Don't just put them on the bench. Make sure they're retracted, depressed, and try to bend that bar in half. Close Any grip. Close grip. Fingers on the smooth. Fingers on the smooth. And if you see those elbows start to drift out, you got to intervene. Yeah, and then, uh, or if you have a Swiss bar or a football bar, which is the neutral grip bench press bar that, uh, I don't know, it's, that's what it's what it, it's. A, it's going to keep you in a better bar. position. Yeah, that, that's the way to go too. So, you know, it's it's an investment, but if you want to train the right or train certain athletes properly, you need the right equipment. Um, 
and I guess if you, but a close grip is going to be ideal for these guys. Just keep them out of, out of trouble. So there's your, there's the details on that too. And uh, I guess we'll put a little show notes on that. What else? What else we got? Anything else on the template, guys? That's it. We went over everything. And almost like an hour exactly. Man, sorry we were out. late. This this is episode forty. You know, Whoa. I mean, shit, we we got this dialed in. If the, if the people make... knew all the technicalities that go on behind the scenes, I mean, <laughs> they would shit. Before. <laughs> oh my god! Like like Luke's airport buddy. Like like the booger wiper guy. Yeah, yeah. He was a crumpler. We're losing viewers. Uh... <laughs> he was a crumpler. All right, let's wrap it up. All right, so cool. we'll next week. Next week, regionals preparation strategies. Hopefully, um, Jed. Get Jed grip strength. And uh, near launch of the new site. Near launch, we'll update on there. Um, you know, nation out there, if you want to hear. Uh, Anything specific? Send some requests into Power Athlete Headquarters. Yeah, here for, the, here for the booth, send us a question about uh, some anterior pelvic tilt and how we can address that in squatting and pulling. So maybe uh, maybe we'll dial that in and get some prep for them. Nice, nice. All right, boys. Cool. Adios. Get on with the rest of your day. I'll see you guys next week. Sounds All good. Right. Sounds good. Later. Later. Bye. Bye.